North American Legacy Champs Recap and Recovery. Next on Eternal Dirtles. Hey, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of our Patreon supporters out there. Thank you to the Dirtle Maniacs. If you want to be a Dirtle Maniac, go to patreon.com slash eternal dirtles and help support the channel. It keeps things going. It keeps things updated. Thanks so much for watching. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. And with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Zach, are you dead? Are you still alive? Feel, Did you make it? I feel, I feel like I, I had an entire weekend in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Dude, not only did I uh, play control through all nine rounds on day one and then play a bunch of challenges before and after, but then the next day once I got back after a delayed flight, I went to Game Story and played played the local. You are, are committed. a madman, Phil. We are committed to the I'll, I'll say this. You know, you you spent the day, uh, the next day recovering by playing Magic. I spent the next day recovering by uh, securing us a bunch of really sick interviews that we're going to have in the next in the next week uh, week or so. Yeah, that'll so be fun. It, it, we both we both did work. It was very cool to see everybody at a turn of weekend. Uh, I mean, what an event, man! Like that that stuff was awesome. Like melee uh, casually breaking down in the middle of the tournament as per usual. Yeah. There, it, it 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 wouldn't be a major legacy like, event if it wouldn't be a big big event if melee didn't just like it, it, crap the event. Yeah, if melee didn't just outright fail, it would just it, we we wouldn't have a leg. It wouldn't be considered a a true a true legacy classic. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna cover uh, our round by rounds. You know, we'll, we'll we'll go through real quick on that, and then um, you know maybe we'll give it a good a good little deep dive on the top eight if there's time for that. Uh, yeah. If not, we also will have uh, a nice little f- uh, featured episode coming up with the North American Legacy Champion. Yes. So, we've got we've got. Uh... TK uh, coming in pretty soon uh, on the cast, and then we have a uh, a uh, another interview with uh, Nick uh, from the top eight, uh, which we we're gonna splice a couple of uh, interviews that I did during the show into this episode. So uh, in between rounds, you'll just get uh, a uh, you know uh, interview that I've done during during the day on uh, during the Legacy Champs, and then. Uh, also, we have a uh, Infect Symposium coming up with Fenris Cloud and Michael, who came in 19th place with Infect uh, from Eternal Weekend North America. So uh, we've got a lot of cool episodes coming up. So if uh, if you're not subscribed, this is a great time to subscribe. If you're a Patreon supporter, uh, thank you. If you're not a Patreon supporter, maybe now's the time to, to look into the becoming a Patreon supporter. We're we're doing a lot of interviews. We're getting a lot of stuff going for, uh, for the next year. And... Uh, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in store. So now's the best time to support us. And for everybody who does, shout out to everyone who came up to us at Eternal Weekend. Uh, I'm always, it's still a a weird experience when somebody comes. It's so surreal. You know, I I, I do not consider us magic famous by any means, but when somebody just like would recognize us by our voice, which is really cool. uh, And then like, it's like, oh, wait, are you that? Like there were a couple of rounds this weekend where I played, obviously I played Miracles. I had my trademark thwart in my deck. And I was playing and people were like, hey, man, your altered deck is really cool. I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And then at one point, when I, at any point where I would thwart them, they would go, oh, you're that force of fill. That force of fill. And then like, <laughs> you could see that. And it, like, that, that, that was just so funny and such a good time. So uh, it, it was a cool experience. And you know, we uh, appreciate that our listeners are, are, so, uh, are, are so passionate and so kind. Uh, that yeah. was really lovely to see. And uh, the event was really, really fun. So yeah, let's get if into it. Anything, if anything has... has um kind of solidified how it, important it was to make the switch over to video. It was the amount of people that walked up to us and were like, 
hey guys, thanks so much. You know, uh, you know, people just were able to recognize us from from like the internet and the fact that our video exists. You know, uh, I I think we got a lot less of that when we were just an audio podcast. So yeah, and also uh, we should be it, we should turn it around too. Thank you to all of you for listening. Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, that's the, that's like, you know, that's the other thing, Phil, that, that really brought this home is like, you know, we we do a video, it gets, you know, two, three, four hundred, maybe three thousand uh, uh, views. But those are all just numbers on like a, you know, a website to, to me until like I go to an event like this and like I'm like, oh, my God, I am actually entertaining people sometimes. This is, to me, that's like it's 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 uh, forgive forgive the uh, uh pun here but it's magical yeah i i like to I, I usually navigate my space in uh being the stubborn miracle bro so i always have considered myself the heel of just trying to counterbalance lock you out and then fate seal you and leave it on top uh but then you know you see everybody at these cons and realize that you're a baby face and you're like oh wow this feels <laughs> yeah. you know what a turn what a turn so yeah so uh yeah let's talk about let's talk about getting there first uh, I took the train from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. It was kind of a, a really nice, like, very chill thing. Uh, Dula from our Discord uh, joined me on the train ride, so we got to play test on the way there, which was really helpful because I didn't have a ton of reps. I did, like, a couple of uh, moto cues uh, the week before, but I didn't have a ton of reps with the deck, so it, it helped me get a real feel for the deck. And I just flew in early Thursday. I played some challenges to figure out my final numbers as I calibrated. I actually moved off of Beanstalk and towards an Esper build of Miracles to play Drawn and Lock because what I found in uh, my testing leading up to the event was that the version of Miracles that I was playing with Beanstalk was really reliant on Terminus having text. Mm -hmm. And in the matchups where Terminus didn't have text, it significantly downgraded the power level of my up the Beanstalks because it meant that I couldn't really convert card advantage in the same way as uh, the decks that can just cycle their Leyline bindings. Uh, so I moved away in, I moved towards black. Uh, I played a bunch of Drown on the Locks, which were sweet and they they were, they were worked out exactly like I wanted them to. Uh, I played Orcish Bowmaster for the first time and I, we're going to get into that. Ho yeah. Holy shit, what a, what a horrible, horrible, <laughs> disgusting, unfun play pattern <laughs> Bowmaster on Bowmaster mirrors are. Oh like, yeah. I never, I'm never casting that card again. That was what, what an awful experience that was. Not, not even like that. It wasn't good. It was just like, oh my god, like these suck. Like this just is not fun, interesting, or whatever. It was just yeah. like, all right. Well, anyway, we'll get into it. Uh, but I, I moved over into black. Uh, I had otherwise all of the good blue white cards that you'd expect with a black splash, a couple of fractures in the sideboard, uh, uh, and then drawn in the lock was really my main draw to black uh, to give me the consistency of enough removal and counter magic for. Uh, more open field than I expected. And luckily, across my tournament, I dodged initiative altogether. Yeah, me too, uh, ironically. Uh, I didn't play any initiative and goblins, which I was really super, like, I just I'll only see those two decks, like, constantly on, on Moto right now. So I, I was expecting those to be decks I would see more often. Um, of course, I played, uh, I played, I almost said I played Miracles. Uh, of course, I played Infect. Uh, I, I modified the deck on Friday morning uh, with Fenris Cloud, uh, and we kind of came to a consensus on on what the new deck looks like. So you'll be able to see my deck in the uh, in the uh, Moxfield list we have. Quick shout out to Moxfield. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create, share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan-supported formats like Pre-Modern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield. Follow the links below to stay tuned.
And so, uh, yeah, so we've got, uh, l- let's, let's start out by talking about uh, our first round. Phil, you go first. So I played against Grixis Delver in the opening round. I ended up losing it 2-1. And this was the first moment that I realized, like, first off, losing your first round in an event like this where you can't afford to take your second loss, it kind of, it, it just removed any tension for the rest of the day. Knowing that you were just, like, losing round one effectively meant that you were auto-dead for top eight. I mean, yeah. you would have to go on an insane run if after you lose your first round. So the tension was gone. But really what I recognized after round one was the uh, splash that I chose to make, uh, regardless of what it is, was fairly punishing. Uh, I, I realized that, like, uh, from the first round, I was like, mm, I, I would have liked to have been a little bit cleaner on my mana base and move away from this, move away from a main board splash. I should have stayed a clean two colors with a splash for sideboard cards. Yeah. I think that would have been better. Uh, it just would have made my mana a lot, a, a lot smoother. And I recognize that in round one pretty handily. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I lost that one to Grixis Delver. My first round was against Lands. Um, game one, I just got the got the old combo going. You know, I uh, I, I did the one two punch. I think I won on like turn three. Um, my opponent was relatively new to uh, to Legacy, and this was his first big event. So I think you know, I think he had some butterflies. Um, and game two, he ended up uh, beating me with a Merit Lage. Just made a Merit Lage off of a Reclaimer and, and got me. Game three, he swords. Somehow I ended up at twenty one life. I think he swords one of my guys, and uh, I had a Bladed Agent in play. And he had an Elvish Reclaimer, and I saw the line. I was like, dude's going to make another Merit Lage and attack me. And I was just, like, praying that he would assume that, like, he wanted to attack me with the 2020, but not the not the Elvish Reclaimer. And that's what happened. So I lucked out there, and I came back with the, the crackback for the win. So, really, I didn't deserve that first win, but I, I'll take it. We take those, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll go to a quick interview. Uh, this is from... Uh, in between round three. Now we have David Marchese, known clown car player. Uh, Eightcast, right, today? Clowncast. 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 That's great. Uh, how are you doing so far? Uh, not great, Zach. I'm 2-2. I'm dead. Ooh, ooh. You're not dead yet. You could um, Something crazy could happen. Uh, I'm not dead for prizing. <laughs> I am definitely yeah. dead for top dead eight. Dead for top eight. Yeah, of course. Um, what have you seen so far? Uh, round one, I beat the mirror. Thanks to clown car. Nice. Uh, two, I lost to Reanimator. Three, I queued into the only Strifo pile player in the building. Was it Strifo? It was not Strifo. <laughs> <laughs> but had to ask. I I don't know how to beat that matchup. And then uh, four, I went against Red White Initiative, and uh, I won that. Nice, nice. Uh, so what do you think about Acast right now? You still 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 one hundred percent on it? Uh, no, I'm still a big fan of Acast. I think. Overall, in terms of matches played, I think this deck is still pretty well positioned, but obviously there's such a wide variety of artifact hate that it can be difficult to play around, especially yeah. in a 11-round tournament. Gotta hate, gotta hate Meltdown. So I think the deck is still doing well, and it's maybe one new printed card away from returning to its gloriness and being busted. Rebo Master Metal. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, uh, good luck on it. You're going to keep playing, right? I'm going to keep playing. Awesome. Good luck on the rest of the round. So back from back from that, uh, we're going to round two. Phil, what was your round two like? So I played against five-color control, uh, up the Beanstalk, everything that you expect from, you know, five-color. Uh, my understanding from, let me just double-check. Uh, I mean, 
the games are pretty extensive. I'm just double checking to see if it's like the classic five color that you expect with like uh, a colored pip of every color. Uh, a couple of Planeswalkers between Narset and Teferi. He was on three Orcus Bowmasters and three Uro. One Triumph, but otherwise he was on the standard up the Beanstalk package. He did have two fourth Aerolingus, so he was on the full uh, five colors. And this was a matchup where uh, the my, my choice of counterbalance versus their up the Beanstalks really came into play. So something that I had learned in my testing as I was playing up the Beanstalk and going against the other control matchups was... I know there was an episode where we discussed how up the beanstalk mirrors come down to exactly up however many up the beanstalks you have. So if you have uh, more up the beanstalks than your opponent, you're winning. And then if you're at up the beanstalk parity, then it's just about who has more force of wills. And those are really the only two axes that ever really matter when it comes down to those matchups. Now, there are some mirror breakers that I discovered, which is, you know, my inability to let go of counterbalance. And counterbalance is a mirror breaker in that it can a, a counterbalance can keep up with up the beanstalk in that you can convert a ton of your a ton of cards off up the beanstalk, but if you can't actually resolve any of the stuff that you cast, yeah. then there's there, there's parity to be had. So I, I realized that when I had uh, a counterbalance on the table against an up the beanstalk or against a pair of up the beanstalks, that one a lot of the stuff that they are going to cast to convert up the beanstalk cards are reactive, and that's what something that I had discovered in my testing of up the beanstalk, right? Like your leyline bindings, your termini, your force of wills, like for the most part, those are uh, reactive cards. Leyline binding yeah. can just be cycled, but for the most part, they're reactive. And so when I uh, was playing with a counterbalance, I recognized that I control the narrative now of that game. And so navigating to positions where I would just get a counterbalance versus an up the beanstalk, it let me really dance around what they wanted to do because for the most part, aside from up the beanstalk, the deck is sorcery speed and clunky between Uro yeah. and the Planeswalkers and the uh, Lorien Revealed and um, Fourth Aerolingus. Like, there isn't really much uh, flexibility with that deck, which is why I never wanted to play it. But everything is really powerful. So there's a lot of tension, but I realized that if I can just sit behind and uh, proactively dance uh, with my counterbalance, that I can get favorable in the matchup. And then on top of that, I also had uh, a pair of very, very fortunate blind flips on three drops that closed the deal for me. But it, it really was the high, that was the first round that I saw a progression of counterbalance is really, really still very powerful against a good portion of the meta that's not ancient tomb. And that came to fruition in round two and I got a two one. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I played against Jim S uh, who I think is one of Nick Casa's partners uh, in the, uh, in, in uh, Card Titan. Uh, and he was on what, what it says he's on is ten rack, but it was it was just uh, beanstalk. It was like bug beanstalk uh, or four color beanstalk. I don't know what ten rack means. Uh, so anyhow, uh, this was a sixty card beanstalk deck, and you know what's really good against the beanstalk decks, Phil? Legolas's quick reflexes. Well, of course, Legolas's quick reflexes is very good. I I actually only only resolved it in game game one of uh round one and i never needed it uh for the rest of the tournament either lost too quickly or won too quickly for it to matter uh or my opponent never reacted to what i was doing um but uh you know what's even better is so much of the uh the beanstalk decks uh the reaction to these decks is playing uh leyline binding and ink moth nexus just don't care yeah that is non-land you know yeah, uh, and, and uh, so many times I think I think in the first game 
I just like had a soul read on my opponent, and I I think I either turned two or turned three him. Uh, when I realized that like the best thing he could be doing here was getting uh an Ink Moth Nexus, and then in uh game two, uh I just realized that like the only thing he could possibly have against me was a ley line, and uh, you know I didn't see any Orcish Bowmasters. His deck was playing Orcish Bowmasters, but I didn't see any. Um, and I just went for it and got got paid off. There were two pretty quick games. In fact, that's kind of the theme of my tournament was that I played very quick games uh, and my matches were done well before. I, I was like the first person to stand up a lot of times. Uh, As is the case with Infect, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that is the beauty of playing a, uh, a you know, a combo deck like that at the tournament. You either win fast or you lose, lose fast. And then you have time to eat. You have time to walk around. But uh, yeah, we'll do another. Uh, I'll show you another interview I did. I'm not doing that. Okay, we're here with Eric Rutkowski. Um Obviously on Doomsday, right? Obviously, it hasn't always been obvious, but apparently at this point it, it is. It seems pretty obvious at this tournament. There's a lot of Doomsday players today. Huh? I'm also I'm also dressed in black and blue, so like it would be totally off brand for me to be Just showing on, up on in, Lance. Your, in your finest demir. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I, that's all I wear now. Um, what have you played so far? Actually, what's your record? I'm four zero. Four four zero. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I don't feel like my matchup luck was great until round four. I'll get to that. I started off against Red White Initiative, immediately lost my first game, had to kind of like mentally rally. Um, then I played against Rhinos. Okay. Then I played against Sticker Goblins. Um, so I was in the mono Simeon yeah. Spirit Guide bracket. <laughs> and I managed to navigate through all those, and then I got Yarnia Death and Taxes, and it was not close. Oh, yeah. It that, doesn't that seem like not good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are they going to lay line something? Uh, you know, yeah. Like... I mean, they have, they have tools, right? But like... Um, they can't interact on the stack. Like sometimes they have deafening silence after board. Spirit of the Labyrinth slows me down a little bit. Land disruption. But I feel like even if they have deafening silence, like if you just cast, if you can get to casting day, right? Yeah. You can just wait five turns, or you yeah. can cycle your way through it, right? Yeah. Those are yeah. Spells. Those are not spells. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit trickier against uh, Spirit of the Labyrinth, but a classic Doomsday pile against Death and Taxes is fetches. So you just draw a couple of fetches and then fetch the lands out of your deck, and they're like draws. Yeah, um, and because they have such heavy land disruption, like that's always a good plan. I want to I want to say that in that game, in, in game two, I cast Doomsday off of LED. So there's a bingo, bingo card moment for you. Yeah, that's wild, man. How did you even do that? So uh, I brainstormed, and I had Doomsday in hand already, and I drew like land led i was looking for fast mana yeah um and i found almost enough but i was able to put the doomsday on top play out another fetch a pedal the led and then you cycle hold priority yeah yeah, yeah. empty-handed yeah, yeah. That okay. and, and that makes it easy he had nothing on board um and so i could just build a pile with like oracle one cycler a couple of fetches when he passes back the game was wrapped up so 4-0 you're on the hunt right now I am. I'm hoping to top yeah. 128. That would be yeah. That would be yeah. amazing. Walking home with something, right? Something. Yeah. yeah. I'm three and one right now, so I have. I still have hope. Uh, so I have hope that I can keep dodging this matchup. Yeah. I don't yeah. have to play Infect. <laughs> it seems like maybe it would be okay for Doomsday because I don't care about my life total. Yeah. But you have a fast combo. Man, I will. I will attack you with a noble hierarch though. <laughs> I'll I know you have you. to watch that. I'll get you. You have to watch the end of turn <laughs> fetch for Dryad Arbor and then yeah. hit you with a, a noble hierarch up. Yeah. Arbor? Do you have Arbor? I, I did not play Arbor this I, okay. I was close. So I sat around with uh, Fenris Cloud uh, yesterday, and we really 
just went over the whole deck and, and some I made some upgrades uh, in terms of removing a couple lands, adding lore and reveal to the okay. deck, so up some blue count. So yep. we have we have uh, force of wills now that are live much more often. Yep. Uh, I pondered through another lore and reveal in. So now we've got three of those. We up the blue count by th by two, basically, and um, and then uh, I, I I pulled the you know the classic Phil Blackman ABC deck yep. building, and I was like, if A I want um, I wanted crop rotation, right? So sure. if A I want crop rotation, then B I probably want Dryad Arbor. Then okay. C I probably want Green Sun Zenith and that package, right? All right. Um, but we, we talked it through, and uh, and we came to the conclusion that uh, that's old tech. Uh, Green Sun Zenith is old tech, and it's not going to do us any good. And we're often going to lose the matches where uh, getting out like a corruptor uh, is going to matter because it's four mana to get out of corruptor, and you're probably already lost by then. So uh, we took that we took that out and just focused on the sideboard from there. So no crop rotations at all. Two crop rotations, one main, one in the board, but we're not playing green suns at all. Okay, and what's the package with the crop rotation? So other crop than obviously ink moth, is, is is purely for ink moth to get to get it out. But then we have a bajuka bog in, in the board too. Sure. And you know, uh, we, we threw in a wasteland sure. because we've already got the lore and revealed, so we can throw in a wasteland as as an extra hedge yep. for that. And it's coming handy. I played against lands in the first round. I, yeah, and that could be tough. Human use, yeah. And uh, in my last round, I played against uh, uh, rug cascade. Yep. And he went turn zero on my upkeep, cast Cascade, right? <laughs> yes, of course. As, I, they, I as they do. It. I countered it, but his next play, and I, I played my uh, fetch and said pass, and he played his Wasteland. He only had two cards left in his hand. Yep. So I'm like, this is great. I draw Wasteland. I Wasteland his Wasteland. He Wastelands my fetch. I fetch. Yeah, yeah. Ponder, do that dance. And then I got there. But uh, it was nice to have the Wasteland as like another like time walk situation. Sure. Yeah. And as a one of is kind of free, especially if the crop rotation is generally for your combo. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, good luck on the rest of the day, man. Thank uh, you. I'm sure we'll check in again later on. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, Zach. And let's talk about round three. Uh, Phil, what was your round three like? So round three was the first one where I recognized that it, or it wasn't a recognition. It was more that uh, I went 2-1 against, uh, I lost 2-1 to one against Mono Black Helm. Uh, but game three, there was a, a pivotal point that was on me. So I, I consider round three a punt on my part. Uh, I had my opponent, I, I had a cantrip on one, and I could I was going to counterbalance on two, and I could stack either a, a three or a two on top. And my opponent on turn one played Ancient Tomb uh, and cast Chalice. So okay. I was like, okay, in response, brainstorm. And now I can play this uh, counterbalance on on two, and I could stack either a three or a two on top, and I sort of got baited into the ancient tomb, and I left the three on top. I would, but then I would have gone with three myself. But then what happened, and it just did, and it's one of those things where it's like maybe I needed more reps against the deck. I, what happened on turn two was they played an uh, Urborg and then played a Dothy Voidwalker, Oof. and now I'm stuck under this chalice that is blanking three cards in my hand, and I'm getting beat down by this card that I could have just gotten a free counter on. Had I thought for a little bit longer than I did, yeah. I got baited by that ancient tomb line, and I think that like if I had I just thought for a second, I think that was the right line, honestly, Phil. Like, how how could you know that uh, I, they were going to play Urborg into uh, ancient tomb? Come on. Well, I, I I think it's actually reasonable considering that I'm the control deck and I need to understand what the meta actually looks like, and Fair. it's not like I had seen anything from this mono black helm opponent that would have suggested that they were doing anything anything with threes. different. Yeah, anything well, they with were doing threes. anything. Uh, there, there's nothing that presented to me that I should move away from what I know stock more or less yeah. mono black helmet. Like what be. is he gonna do? Like main phase a opposition agent against you at best? Like there's right. no there's no other three drops really that that deck plays, right? 
And at that early in the game, I think I'm mostly afraid of Dothy Boyd Walker and Orcus Bowmasters yeah. than anything else. I think you're right. Are, yeah. Those are the cheap early clocks. So I could have stacked a two on top, countered the Dothy Boyd Walker, and then had three underneath if there was a follow up opposition agent. And yeah. I stacked it the other way. Had I stacked it, that had I just thought for a little bit longer, considering what the actual threats would have been out of that deck, even though it, there was uh, an ancient tomb, I just didn't think about Urborg at all. Like in my yeah. considerations, when I was putting debating between a two or three, I just didn't consider uh, Urborg in the slightest. And that's on me. I, yeah. that, that's, that's my own punt. I could have dodged that. And had I countered as Dothy Voidwalker, it would have given me access to my graveyard, which then would have paired well as I hit my land drops with my uh, Mystic Sanctuary package, in which case my the, my cantrips being shut off by the chalice until I can draw a prismatic ending wouldn't have been as punishing. So the fact that he had the, the chalice to turn off my cantrips and the Dothy Voidwalker, which I could have countered, uh, turning off my graveyard so my Mystic Sanctuary is off, means that I'm effectively locked out until I naturally drew a prismatic ending where I would have had way more leverage and a clear board had I just stacked it the other way. So round three, I call it a punt on my end. It was a, it was a tight match, but it was one where I had agency over my loss. Yeah. Uh, for me, round three was tough, man. I played against Mono Red Painter, and uh, I, you know, I, kn- I knew what I was up against when, when he played uh, he played his second land. So I saw a red source after uh, Urza Saga, and I was like, okay, I have to just beat this guy before he beats me. And, uh, both, both games were just, uh, here's, here's the win. Can you stop me? And I, the answer was no, both times. The second game I mulled to five against him, uh, and still just didn't, didn't have anything that that looked enticing enough to, to win with. Uh, I think I kept a, uh, like I had, I, I had two non-land, uh, openers and I just wanted anything to play, to play the game of magic with. Uh, in the second one, so I, I just didn't have any reactions to anything he was doing, and uh, I think I lost on turn two uh, to Painter with uh, uh, in the second game. So it was a o two for me in that one. I, I had no I had no chance against that deck. So let's go to another interview. Okay, we've got Matthew. Matthew, what are you on today? I'm on Doomsday. Yeah. Doomsday. Yeah. Doomsday. I've seen a lot of Doomsday in the room, actually. Right. Yeah, it's definitely gone up. Uh... I haven't seen the deck too much on paper before now, but it's definitely gone up a lot. Uh, what did you have, What did you play so far? What's your record? I'm um, two and two. Two and two. Okay. What have you played so far? Uh, I played against uh, Eight Cast, Show and Tell, uh, Omnitel, and Red White Painter. Okay. What, what did you win against? I won against uh, Sneak and Show and uh, Eight Cast. That makes sense. That makes sense. Those, that, yeah. those are decks that you can prey on for sure. And then, uh, sorry, you lost to which two? I lost to uh, Omni Show and to Red White Painter. Oh, you think that Omni Show would be a really good matchup? Yeah. They had the forces. They had the forces and uh, the veils this summer, which are pretty rough. Uh, are you gonna yeah. keep, keep playing on? Oh yeah, you definitely playing all the way. Awesome, Matthew. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You as well. And let's talk about round four, Phil. What was your round four? Uh, my round four opponent was on uh, Sultai Beanstalk. So okay. he was on uh, a three-color Beanstalk deck with like Murderous Cut and Leovold and uh, Orchestra Bowmasters and Murktide Regent. It, it, fairly uh, a, a, a slightly more aggressive take on... It, like it wasn't full Beanstalk control. It was much more in the mid-range space that was leveraging up the Beanstalk alongside Murktide Regent and Murderous Cut. And this was a matchup where the... Again, the, the leverage point of me getting control me getting to control the game of counterbalance versus up the beanstalk really came to fruition. Uh, he in game one had two up the beanstalks to my counterbalance. And I won that game. 
Okay. Now, part of that is that they don't have access to white. And so not having ley line bindings in game one meant that typically in games one, if I have a counterbalance, the way that I protect it is I can put terminus on top to counter ley line binding. I see. But yeah. w- without access to white, it makes it so that the, the way that they remove uh, my counterbalance is through things like Witherbloom command and stacking a two on top, which are cards that I actively want in the matchup, things like Drown on the Lock and Predict, is a lot easier to manage. Pretty a, common, yeah. A, because I have more two drops, and B, because those are cards that I actively want to put back on top with Mystic Sanctuary anyway. So yeah. it becomes a lot easier to protect the counterbalance in this particular build. But it was another example of my one counterbalance with the shell around it beat their two active up the Beanstalks, even though they were a more proactive Beanstalk deck with Murktide Regent and can convert more cards. The fun part about this matchup, where I, I ended up conceding after we were in, in time, uh, so technically it was a draw, but it was a draw because we spent a lot of time like joking around and having a good time. Cause we both knew that we were dead at this point in the, yeah. in the event. And so there was a lot more casual back and forth and, and talk. And, you know, had we been a little bit more aggressive in our uh, clock management, if we were still both considering, uh, you know, the fact that we were live for trying to win, yeah. I, I don't think we would have gotten there. <laughs> what, what ultimately ended up happening and, and a really memorable play where I got a picture of him doing all this stuff. And this is why we went to time is he had an actively, he had to leave all on the table. I have a counterbalance. He casts a Murktide Regent. Now, I don't have any seven drops in my deck, but I do want to flip my counterbalance uh, to, because I have a predict in hand. So I know the top card of my deck when he casts the Murktide Regent. It's not a seven drop, and it's also not a card that I want to draw. So I fetch, and I have a predict in hand. Now, I'm going to reveal the top card, and it's not the card that I want to draw. I'm going to predict it away. I'm only going to draw one card because he had an active Leobold, but it's on his turn, which is still okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I, after I fetch, and I say, okay, man, give me a good cut, because he doesn't know that I don't have seven drops. I said, give me a good cut. And he's like, don't tell me, don't ask me to do that, man. You're just going to make me uh, cut you to a terminus. And I was like, hey, man, you're putting it out there, not me. <laughs> and then I blind flip and hit the terminus. Ah! So as Murktide resolves, we have an amazing, like a great time. We, we, we're, we're laughing. We're, we're, we're joking around about how like this awesome moment of like him manifesting the terminus to yeah. the top of the deck is great. <laughs> and, you know, we take pictures and we're doing the whole shtick. And it was that was it was a really good time. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I terminus is board. That's where it ends up becoming. We're at parity, but I have. I guess we're not at parity. We're on an empty board. He's got cards, but no threats. I have an active counterbalance with a predict in hand. And even though my life total is low, his only real outs that he's drawing to are pretty much exactly Bowmaster. And I have control of the game, and I'm drawing to like my Entreat the Angels. Yeah. So if given infinite time, eh, there's argument that it's going to go either way. I think I'm favored in that position because I have the counterbalance. Yeah. But ultimately what happened is because we were both dead at that point, we were in the 1-2 bracket that I was like, hey, man, are you going to play it out? Like, are, are you thinking about going deeper into the event and thinking that, you know, you want to go on a streak? Because I was thinking I'm going to, you know, stop here, go get food with whoever else. But everybody that I was uh, talking to was still live yeah. afterwards. Very live. But I didn't, I didn't know that during the match. <laughs> and so when, rather, than, rather than take the draw, he wanted to still play. He knew he was going to play the entire day. So I just scooped to him after that. Uh, but it was, it was a really tight game. And it was an example of, I think, it, if I had uh, my, my druthers, I would have gotten that last game because I had the counterbalance. And I had yeah. miracle, literal miracle that terminus. Yeah. Um, which was, but it, it's such a, it was such an awesome moment. I got pictures of it, and that that, that that's also the dopamine hits when that happens. That's why I can't let go of miracles, man. Yeah, because moments like that are just so awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know the blind hits on three or in round hits, two. Man, yeah, like when the variance, like don't get me wrong, when the variance goes against you and your your counterbalance just you know was a mulligan and never converts anything, yeah. sucks. But like when it is just magical in those moments, oh man, it, yeah. the dopamine hits harder than anything else, and I can't let it go. So yeah. uh, it, it it was a, a, a two one because I conceded because I was dead. 
yeah, so I played against Ian, who was on Team of Rhinos. And this is a de- this is a deck that I think is a really good matchup for me as an infect player because all I have to do is counter one spell and maybe have counter spell backup, right? Like so I got I got the first game. Uh I think he I let him resolve the rhinos after I had a blink uh ink uh blink uh I'm sorry, blighted agent on the board. And uh then I just swung in and killed him on the next turn. Uh the next game he got rhinos and I I I got put in a weird situation where uh I I had two guys attacking him, uh two two blighted agents attacking him, and I he was at no poison, and I had in my hand two invigorates and a berserk. And I'm like, he's gonna have to do a lot to get to get to 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 win this match because I'm swinging in, he's gonna need two ways to stop me, right? And even that's not good enough because I think I had a Force of Will in my hand. So I had uh, Blue Card, Force of Will, Invigorate, Invigorate, Berserk, right? So even if he counterspells a guy or kills a guy or counterspells a, an Invigorate or kills a guy, I just have the other plan. And if he doesn't, I don't even have to use my Berserk, right? So I swing in and I'm like, okay, I'll Invigorate my uh, uh, Blade Agent. And he's like, okay. And I was like, I'll Invigorate this other Blade Agent. And he goes... I'm going to cast fire. And he, I think he, uh, actually he cast fire in response to my first invigorate. So he pinged both of my, uh, blade agents. And I'm like, Oh, that is not what I wanted to have happen because now I have to save the other one. Um, okay. I'll, uh, I'll invigorate this, this one. And he's like, okay, I'll counterspell that. I counterspell. And then he comes back with another removal spell. And I'm like, I guess I guess I'm dead. He got me. Like he had three three ways to stop me that game, so there wasn't much I could do there. Uh, but I was like, I, I in my head, I was like, "There's no way I'm losing this game." Uh, so we go into the next game. He moles to five. I keep a seven, and a seven that looks pretty good. I've got like the turn two kill, uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is it, man. I, I I'll I'll just take this." And so uh, he goes. During your upkeep, I have effects. I'm like, what? Like what? Do you have a ley line or something like that? He goes, no. Uh, Simeon Spirit Guide, Elvish Spirit Guide, Simeon Spirit Guide. Cast, uh, you know, outburst. And I'm like, okay, I have a counter. I have like a force of will in my hand. So I'm like, I don't know. Like he's got one card left in his hand. I'm like, this isn't gonna work out for him. So he he goes for it. I counter it, and he's like. <sighs> Okay, so I followed up with with a guy. He drew a card and like actually uh, he had a land, so he like kill, uh, was able to kill my guy somehow. So we both kind of jockeyed for a little bit, trying to figure out uh, how to win. But I kept him off of three mana, so he never like he only ever had like two cards in his hand. He pl- I played a fetch. He played a wasteland. I wait. I drew a wasteland. Hit his wasteland. Of course, he tried to wasteland my fetch. I fetched. And then uh, eventually I got a Blighted Agent out, and it was just, like, doing two a turn and, like, keeping him off of uh, three mana. And I eventually just got there when he just didn't, couldn't draw anything else. But, like, that would have been scary had I had I uh, n- not had a Force of Will in my hand. I didn't mold a Force of Will or anything. I just had one. I was like, this is a fine hand. Infect the control deck. Yeah. Well, that's the, that is the beauty of Infect, Phil, <laughs> is that you still have that fun police aspect to your deck. It's like like when I switched from Rugged Delver to Infect, I wanted a deck that could 
fight against combo decks, but was in itself a combo deck that would be able to uh, that would be able to win fast against decks that put a clock on you. So that that was a perfect encapsulation of that of that moment where I stopped the combo deck and then was the combo deck as well. Yeah, dude, you're still a Force Days deck. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, so let's go to another interview. Okay, we're here in round four with Claudio. Claudio, what are you playing? Uh, I'm playing Initiative today, Boris Initiative. Okay, okay. How are you doing so far? Uh, Chuchu. Uh, right. I lost a matchup that I had to win, ideally versus Dover, but he top decked like a Drake. And <laughs> I mean, that was not lucky enough, I guess. Uh, Besides that, it's going well. Cool. What have, what have you played so far? Um, I played Initiative. I played uh, Crushing Footfalls, which is my other loss. Okay. Uh, then I won versus Dead in Texas, and I won the Mirror. Okay. Well, you're still live for top 20, 128, so you're going to keep playing, right? Yes. I'm going to, um, I mean, I'm here to have fun. I'm going to keep playing awesome. regardless uh, of my results, and that's it. That's what we love to hear. All right, man. Well, good luck on the rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. All right. So my uh, next round was against Dale, who was on Mono Red Prison. And let me tell you, there's not a whole lot for me to say there. Uh, it was I, I won one, he won two, and the ones that Dale won were... Either I got locked under a Trinisphere, uh, or I got locked under a Blood Moon. Even in, ga in game three, I looked at my hand after mulling to... F I mulled to five, and I was like, ugh, I'm not mulling again. Like, I'm not going to four. But I had uh, Elf, Invigorate, Berserk, Force, and Blue card, but no land. And I'm like, well, this sucks, but, like, I can't go lower. Uh, so I kept it, and my opponent started off he played he played uh, a land and said go and I was like, oh crap, he doesn't have like a turn one blood moon against me. Amazing. So I draw, I get a tropical island. I play my glistener elf and I say go. He dead and gone's my glistener elf, and I'm like, all right, I have to pitch my forces wolf for that. But I still got the kill in my hand. And uh he untaps, plays a uh Trinisphere, and I'm like Okay, I guess I lose. And guess you uh, lost. I never got to I never got to a third land, but like he yeah. the, he uh eventually he got that like the what is it the buccaneer goblin that like can like toss creatures and artifacts at people bombardier yeah yeah bombardier that's what it is and uh yeah the, so eventually I just was locked out of the game because I, I couldn't keep a creature on the board uh Whoa. so kind of is what it is I'm hoping that we can uh, get the community to start calling it bombardier. Bombardier. I, I like, I, yeah, I like the little <laughs> French in, inflection. So uh, in my round five, I played against Cephalid Breakfast. Now, this is actually a matchup where I feel as though I don't get the natural advantage that I have as the Miracle Bro of them having dead removal in their hands. Uh, they're a deck that doesn't play Source of Plashers in the main, typically. They play it in the board. Uh, usually in game ones, uh, I find that I get the natural advantage of your removal being blank, which means that if I can get a counterbalance to like stymie any brainstorms to help fix that hand, yeah. that there's just a bunch of natural dead draws that leverage me in game one and then i get to try and leverage that further in game two when i can bring in like triumphs and stuff but not against breakfast so breakfast is i i find to be a pretty difficult matchup because they are just more not only do they have a really condensed combo that also has teferi which is the bane of my existence uh but they also have uh the uh, um oh what's the silence the uh orms chant orms chant they also have orms chant 
And so they have Orm's Chant, which gets to uh, potentially turn off my counterbalance if I don't have a one. They have a Teferi, which locks out my entire hand, and it's really difficult. And it effectively means that I have to, like, unload my removal on Teferi beforehand anyway, and then they just get to kill me. They're an Urza Saga deck, and that's also really difficult. Yeah. So they just have all these tools and also don't fall into the natural advantage that I get to have at game ones against other decks. So I wouldn't consider it a favorable matchup, but I do know how to pilot pilot against it, even though I don't think it's good. Now... This is a uh, was a fun game uh, where game one, I have a counterbalance uh, I, or I establish a counterbalance. They have a Teferi or they stick a Teferi. I force, they force back. Okay, great. They have a Teferi that sucks for me. So I can't uh, really interact on the stack, obviously, but I can still interact with counterbalance and Mystic Sanctuary because I can fetch in response and Mystic Sanctuary to still counter stuff. What happens is they go uh, plus on the Teferi on, on turn one, because they're not quite sure what I'm doing, right? Esper Miracles is not a known quantity. Yeah. So they're, they're still a little unsure of what's going on. So they don't cash in the Teferi for a card just yet. They plus it first. I play a counterbalance. They're like, okay, bounce it down to two. Draw the card. Uh, they get uh, a Stoneforge Mystic, gets a Shuko. They play the Shuko. They're threatening a kill. I go on my turn, brainstorm, put a Jace on top, play the counterbalance. They go play plus the Teferi up to three, play the Cephalid Illusionist. I say resolves. They go, okay, sweet, because they thought that I was going to stack a two on top. They uh, start comboing off. They're like, equip, trigger. And I'm like, yep, do your thing, man. And they're like, is it cool if I shortcut? I'm like, yep, do your thing, man. Shortcut all, all you like. They essentially flip their deck over, put all the Narcomoeba triggers on the stack. Everything is resolving, obviously. And then they go to cast Dread Return. <laughs> and I reveal the Jace on top. Rude. And ca counter, counter the Dread Return. Yes. And now they are, they have no deck. They did not think that I would sack a four drop on top because they did not think that I had Jace the Mind Sculptor. Again, because what are they thinking that I what even psychopath am? psychopath would play Jace the Mind Sculptor in this format? In this is format. Really... Right, right, right. So <laughs> I know that the way to beat the deck to not die to the combo is to have a four stacked on top of the deck yeah. with a counterbalance. In that play. scenario, for sure, yeah. In that scenario. Now, if they didn't, if they waited a turn, there, there was there was a little bit of nuance, right? If they put me on a four drop on top and waited a turn and have the Teferi on three when they untap, then things get interesting because if they let me draw, I get to play the Teferi, or I play the Teferi, I get to play the Jace the Mind Sculptor, brainstorm, and potentially stack a two on top to counter the Cephalid Illusionist that would then come down the following turn. Yeah. If they played the Cephalid Illusionist and got it onto the board, but then didn't go off and pass the turn, then I get to Jace the Mind Sculptor with a land available to potentially uh, swords their Cephalid Illusionist before they get to go off. So there was a bunch of nuance had they thought about a four on top, but they didn't. And so it was the, it was the, the interesting scenario where I beat both uh, the combo with a Teferi on the table, which is a unique scenario. But again, it goes to show the power of counterbalance. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, game two was just a nice, clean counterbalance you never resolve a spell delightful for me take the win yeah yeah amazing all right well uh let's do uh, one more uh interview all right we're in round six of eternal weekend we're here with my round six opponent duncan uh who crushed me with cradle control uh i did get one game with a turn two glister elf invigorate berserk which was pretty sick 
Um, but uh, Duncan, what, what have you played so far today? Right, so uh, I start with Show and Tell. Uh, so I'm playing Cradle Control. It's like a mid-rangey green deck. It's like Elves if it's built to be Delver um, and not bad against Bowmaster. Uh, game one, I'm playing on Show and Tell. The matchup's really bad, but I ended up squeaking it out. I mold into Atrax in one of the games. Nice. Um, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. I got bodied game one, and then uh, and then game three, we like had a thoroughly draw. I get Natural Order with uh, Alice Horror Shepherd. We get him. Um, I play against Delver twice, like Delver variants. The yeah. matchup's really good. You're like kind of built to crush them. You have four endurances and you have four rec- uh, reclaimers. With oh yeah, yeah. Or put your yeah. main. Um, so you're you're really able to like keep them up from doing anything. Get uh, under them. Um, I played against my two losses are uh, were Monored Painter. Okay. Who we had really close games. I don't feel too bad about like those games, but he uh the game three I get like double furied into like like soccer tech, so it's like ah, okay. Fury seems pretty good against you, yeah. It's pretty solid. My other loss was to uh Monored uh Stompy. We had really close games. I win this game if I'm on the play, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh and he goes it, it was something like he plays turn one bombardier, really good against me. Uh and then he goes like pitch fury, throw it at you, steal seven, and then he goes pyrokinesis, and I'm like, all right, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Sure whatever. You got me. It's even like that sometimes I'm like you kind of got to take your L's with uh, Cradle Control. It's like you're, you're really a matchup deck where you're trying to like, you're trying to spike like your matchup rounds. Yeah. And those matchups aren't bad by any means. Uh, I haven't hit like Doomsday or anything, which is what yeah. you lose to. So I'm lucky for. And I played against Infect, which uh, I have played Engineer on the board right now because Delver. It was good. It was pretty good. <laughs> Stop me from playing anything else. You name yeah. Phyrexian, it just like gets them. You get off the Narzan. And against uh, Delver, you name Human, and it, it's Questing Druid and all their one drops. Yeah. Uh, which, and it's like uncounterable through Free Narzan. That wins yeah. the game a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I've been really enjoying it. Awesome. Well, you're you're four and two, so you're still you're still live for top one twenty eight, possibly for top eight if something if something lucky happens. Um, so uh, anyhow, good luck on the on the rest of the day. Yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> and my round six opponent was on Cradle Control, so I went from bad matchup to really bad matchup. Uh, Cradle Control is just a bear for me between the uh, the griefs, which are not great. Uh, the scam package uh, into Grist. Uh, Bowmasters is is not impossible for me to win against, but it's not great. Uh, and uh, on top of that, also just you know having Fiend Artisan to go get Grist to go get Bowmaster. Like the the whole deck is just built to stop me. And they're playing Snuff Out. It was uh, it was a nightmare. That uh, and, and amazing that I even won one game. Uh, against Duncan, uh, who who was a complete uh, gentleman the entire time, uh, and really fun to play against. But man, uh, that yeah, I think I think what happened in the first game, the reason why I won the first game is I just went like again on a soul read, uh, and I realized that like I think my opponent doesn't have anything because he tapped out, and I was like, I guess I'm just gonna go for it. And uh, of course, I ha- you know he didn't have anything, so. Uh, I, I lucked out there, but uh, the next two games he just stomped me. Uh, one thing, I, one thing I will say about about that matchup is uh, Bowmasters. I think a lot of people think Bowmasters is really like a killer for Infect, and it's not great. Don't get me wrong, but because you have access to Invigorate, there were a couple games where I was like, "Cool, Bowmasters! I'll Invigorate my uh, my Lan- my uh, Glistener Elf, or you know, whatever uh, Blade Agent." I'll brainstorm and they're like, okay, I'll shoot you. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I drew the combo. I'll kill you. You know, like mm-hmm. as long as you're sequencing properly and you're not playing into a bowmaster, uh, especially if it's just out there on the board, uh, there's plenty that you can do to to mitigate it in infect. Yeah, I mean, it's it, Orcus bowmaster against you is effectively just damage based removal, right? Yeah, it's, and it's infect two two. It's two 
uh, mana to get it into play. So it's soft to daze, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Infect is also, like, I mean, historically, always had to navigate around, like, Lightning Bolt and stuff. Yeah, so, like, it's, yeah. Better, it's better if you play Lightning Bolt than it is if you play Orcish Bowmasters, because I'm like, cool, you spent too much mana to do that. I'm going to untap and kill you. And Infect is also happy to play against damage-based removal versus something like Swords to Plowshares, where Love your it. pump effects can actually counter the damage-based removal, and that's more favorable because it means you have more outs to that kind of removal. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I think, like, yeah, obviously, more just in, incidentally more removal, right? Because Orcus Bowmasters is, yeah. like, also a threat. So it's just an in, incidentally higher density of removal, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Infect can't, yeah. like, navigate, you yeah. know? I mean, in, th- in this scenario, in this deck, it is at its best because... You're combining it with hand disruption, which means that you can remove my pump spells, leave me with brainstorms, right? Uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, you you have snuff out, which means that my dazes are probably useless, not to mention uh, you just have, have a tempo level there that I can't deal with. And the life loss doesn't even matter. You know, I, mm-hmm. I won zero games with uh, where I like killed my opponent with, with life. Uh, it was all in fact all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I think overall, uh, all of my losses minus the, uh, I, I dropped out of the tournament at this point, so it's just going to be y- you for the rest of the rest of the tournament. But, uh, I, I want to give a quick encapsulation of what my tournament looked like and, and kind of what my takeaways were. Um, I think that my build was good, but I think what I need to do, uh, so I was playing one spell pierce and you can see the list. I think that spell pierce needs to become a basic forest. Uh, because I mold a lot, I mold to five like four times during this tournament, and it was just because oh I don't have any lands. Oh cool, I have Lorien revealed, but I don't have a land to make it work. So I I was just I think I was just one land off in the deck. I think Lorien revealed was a great addition to the deck, uh, removing a couple lands to be able to play it. But um, I never used it to draw a card. It just used it to pitch to force of will or to go get a land, which I think was fine. Um. But uh, it's it's an awkward card in a deck where I definitely want a basic forest, um, but it's island cycling, and I certainly do not want generous ent in the deck. Like I'm not gonna like I can't use that at all. So uh, I I can't use the you know like the being able to pitch generous ent to force of vigor. I guess is good, but it do, it's not doing what I want it to do. Yeah, I think also the one thing to highlight too on your pivot over to Lorien Revealed is similar to like what people were doing in like Vintage with Urza Saga, where Urza Saga plus Lorien Revealed lets exactly. you get your colored source after yeah. playing it. Same thing with uh, Ink Moth Nexus. In yeah, Ink Moth I got Nexus, to play Ink Moth Nexus colors. and I added a Wasteland into the deck because of that. Yeah, so like having the, the colorless sources be effectively ways to also turn on getting your uh, colored sources to continue development is something that we didn't mention uh, when you moved over to Lorien Revealed, but it is a highlight of like... It's, it's very it, good. It, yeah. it, it lets you play your inf- Ink Moth Nexus on turn one knowing that you will be able to continue development without having to like cantrip or something. Yeah, I did convert uh, Lorien Revealed off Ink Moth Nexus a, 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 yep. a, fair, amount of, a fair amount of times. Uh, yep. It le- allowed me to keep a lot more hands, but like I said, there were times when I just drew... I, I had three separate uh, Mold of Fives where I saw no lands, Shuffled, saw no lands, shuffled, and was like, okay, I'm keeping five. You know, I think that I, I a better build of this deck, I would have done much better on the day just by the virtue of me keeping hands. Like, if I'd have kept uh, a hand against my opponent in uh, round in uh, that uh, prison match where I had a land, I would have won. You know, I was I was a turn off from killing for killing my opponents in most of my losses. 
which is saying something about the deck. I think the deck is super powerful, and I I'm on it right now. Like this is this is my deck right now for 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 a while. I think. Well, also a good thing to learn now, as like you you recently moved into Infect again, right? Mm-hmm. So like you were getting more reps online, and then you got more reps here, and like recognizing these changes for your deck is also worthwhile because there's likely to be another uh, significant legacy event in the first quarter for tw- of 2024 in your backyard. SEG Philly yeah. is going to have an event now. They haven't released the schedule for that yet, but if there's a legacy 10k, it's going to be nice to have the adjusted deck list and- uh, in the interim. And, and Phil, and, let's and, not forget the Legacy Cup at uh, at uh, MC Chicago. That's right, and the Legacy Cup. So, like, there's there's a couple of uh, big events that are going to be coming up that, you know, having that, those adjustments is worthwhile. And then, you know, I mean, assuming that Karlov, uh, Murders at Karlov Manor, which is the set release in between now and then, doesn't do too much of a shakeup, I doubt that they'll, anything is really going to shake up. Uh, in fact, unless they give you a new busted pump spell that Sweet. pushes him big and out. But, like, <laughs> beyond that, I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to change your deck list. So... You know, get, figuring that stuff out now is worthwhile. Yeah, I think uh, you know I, I have a lot more to say about about the deck in the Infect Symposium I'm doing with with Michael and uh, with uh, Fenris Cloud. So be sure to tune in for that. But uh, let's do uh, let's go to your round six, Phil. So my round six was against Grixis Delver. Uh, in this is where uh, I I noticed that um, once I had uh, I had done the math the night before on like what how many losses you could take in order to actually make top eight. And the fact that it was 11 rounds, but it was a nearly thousand player tournament. And that's not a sufficient number of rounds for that number of players. So we figured out early on that, okay, if you take your second loss, you're just effectively dead, right? Yeah. Now, taking your loss early, you know, I, once I was like sort of checked out of the, knowing that I couldn't really cash the tournament, so to speak, um, I, I don't think I played nearly as tight as I was, even though I had a lot of these fun plays. And that showed up here in, in round six, where in round in game one, I just punted. I threw away a drown in the lock for effectively no reason. And so I just uh, auto-scooped. I was like, I, I just punted this. I'm not interested in continuing this yeah. game. Um, it's, it's, it, I effectively time-walked myself, right? Not worth it. Yeah. But then I won games two and three. This was against Rixus Delver, because Triumph of St. Catherine is Nutter Butters against, uh, 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 against Delver still. So... Um, the fact that I had counterbalance plus triumph of St. Catherine, like the deck is really well set up to fight against the Delver matchups. If I was, if, if I just had built my deck to be a little bit cleaner in terms of its mana base and its curve, I don't think I would have suffered the losses that I did to Delver. I think that like my style of control is I can never beat Cavernous Souls, but I feel like I'm extremely well set up to deal with Delver and all of its variations. Yeah. So, uh, agree. As, as as I adjust my build, if I ran if I run into Delver a lot in future tournaments, I think that that's going to be favorable for me. I I'm happy to never run into Cavern of Souls. Uh, but this, round six was felt pretty ABC. Punted round one, boarded into Triumph and leveraged counterbalances in game two and three. We danced back and forth, but ultimately uh, I got there. Let's go to the final interview I did for the day, which uh, includes the uh, the one of the finalists uh not finalists but uh, t- uh nick who made it into the top eight all right we're here with nick yep nick uh you are what's your record right now uh what round are we in we're in seven, well, this is seven, round nine, round nine round so nine seven one one seven one and one you were yeah. just at a feature match yep yeah yeah, yeah. just beat hatfield who's on uh paradoxical outcome with transmute artifact part i hadn't seen in whoa literally years. whoa transmute yeah, artifact yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's transmute for the ring it seems like 
Most Trans feet for the ring, not for not for uh, what Time Vault would be the would, be, would be the card I would one. think. You That'd know, be a good one. this is wrong format, right? I would be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been dead a long time. <laughs> I'll take all the turns. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are you on? I am on what I call four color garbage pile. It is, okay. um, it's essentially, I don't like Delver. That doesn't flip. We have twenty two instances of sorceries. I cut that a long time ago. I played Bowmasters and uh, threw it. And that's it. You just go over the top. You're out there seeking the beast yeah, and, throwing the beast and throw bows. I got you. Yeah. It's really good to have both. It's really been strong. I don't doubt uh, it. Especially yeah. Especially seek the beast into a bowmaster. So we're like. talking four color. Yep. Four color. We got not white. No, basically. no, no. Everything white. Mana's pretty bad. Um, I have three volks, two seas, two drops. Okay. I have lost access to red today. Woo. Yeah. It was okay. Been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like I'm never casting a red spell again. My hand is on holy heat and pyroblast. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but you've been slogging through, man. Uh, yeah, X more than one. Yeah. God damn. So mm. you're still live for top eight? I think so. Holy I shit. I think so. I think I need to win out. Um, I yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, I think I, mean, I need to win out. I think you better There's win out. There's only two more rounds tomorrow. Is it just two more rounds? Eleven rounds. Seven, yeah, okay. That's not too bad. Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. easy. It's then cut the to top eight. Yeah, you can yeah. win two more rounds. I think so. I yeah. think so. My goal was 128th place. Exactly 128th place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think we're okay. You're doing good. You're doing good. So. What were your what were your what was your loss? Lands I misplayed. I um, I told myself not to do this anymore. I did it anyway. Do not wasteland lands with an open green. Don't do it. Don't do it. They'll crop rotate every time. Every crop time. Rotate in the tabernacle, yeah, yeah. you lose. It was so bad. <laughs> it was such a misplay. I don't think it's a good matchup anyway. I don't feel too bad. But that Sorry, was a yeah. that was a stupid misplay. As soon as I did it, I was like. I've had these talks. Yeah, yeah. I told myself this. I know this is wrong. You live, you learn, you win seven more rounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. that sounds great. It's been good. It's been well, good. Uh, good luck tomorrow. Thank you. You know, Thank or you. Get, yeah, tomorrow. We're yes, no more yeah, rounds we're today. done today. We're done today. Which yeah. we need. Good luck it's tomorrow. Exhausting. Yeah, yeah, I'm exhausted myself. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Yeah. Good luck. I, that's all I can say yeah, is good yeah. luck. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. I have a good one. Tomorrow goes well. Have a good one. All right. So round seven. At this point, I have dropped from the tournament. I entered a side event that started at four at four twenty. And uh, I played against a death and taxes player. Uh, and, you know, I, I did I did fine. I, I won that uh, round. But I feel like, again, it was one of those things where my opponent punted and I, I was given a round. So I feel like asterisks on that win. Same thing with the round one win I had were like those easily could have been losses if I played against somebody who was a little more savvy with their deck. And I stayed in the main. I didn't. I played all nine rounds, uh, even though I, I thought I was going to drop earlier in the day. But then because of the people that I was rooming with, hotel with wise and uh, getting dinner with and stuff, I, everybody was still playing. Uh, mo most of them were still live. So I, I, like, I okay, want to say, gonna be Phil, giant mistake on my end by dropping from the tournament. I should have played it out because here we are. You still are talking about the tournament and I'm talking about some side event I lost. Well, also, like, it, it's good, too. Like, you are also moving back and infect in a, a meaningful way. And getting the, the reps is significant if yeah. you have players that are still more or less taking the the comp the, the tournament serious, even yeah. though you're dead. Um, I also think I should have done... I mean, I was having a good time. And I think that, like, there were, there were points where I punted just because I wasn't as zoned in as I probably should have been. The thing is, is, like, I mean, I guess there's no excuse for that. But I did recognize by this point in the tournament, I recognized where the flaws in my deck were. Yeah. So I already knew the changes that I wanted to That's make. That's the thing about I, these big events. You can see where the wheels are falling off. Like, it's real easy. Yeah. So, it, and, and like the fact that I was like running into the same uh, potholes that I recognized already. So, like, me, when I made mistakes or, mis or my deck wasn't functioning in the way that I wanted it to, 
it was because of problems that I, I had already identified. Yeah. So it, I wasn't like learning anything new about the build that I had played or the adjustments that I had wanted to make because it was pretty clear to me what adjustments needed to happen. Yeah. And so like in that regard, it, there wasn't really anything to be, to be learned in terms of deck building uh, until I, you know, could leave the tournament and change my deck list up for challenges and stuff, which I then did later. But in round seven, I played against Storm. And this was really an example where the Black Splash like leveraged uh, pretty much to the where this felt pretty much like a buy. Um, not in that like it oh. wasn't still challenging, but I just felt like I was so over prepared to fight on the stack what, because what, all of what, the why was this, Phil? I was playing four drawn in the lock. Oh, um, okay. I was drawn in the lock. Okay. Uh, I was playing. I'm sorry, I wasn't playing four. I was playing three drawn in the lock. I had cut one before the tournament. But the fact that that, but that was the argument that I had made about why I had shifted to black instead of green because when I was playing up the beanstalk, it really relied on terminus having text. Yeah. And when you play against combo, if you have all the white cards that don't have text, and then also up the beanstalk, which is too slow because okay, you're tapping out, but it doesn't yeah. really leverage you in any meaningful way to protect you. Yes, it cantrips or whatever, but you're really relying on like your free counter magic at that point, so they don't kill you. And they have uh, veil of summer and you know potentially thought season whatever yeah. to like clear the path. So. I felt when I was playing up the beanstalk that when I was playing against dark ritual decks that I, I was extremely anemic, even though you have this insane draw engine, you, ne the games are too short for you to leverage it. Yeah. And that's why I had moved away and audible onto black because I was like, what I, what I really want is when I was playing up the beanstalk, I noticed that like, okay, you have like your force of wills and you have your termini and your white cards. And then you have beanstalk in the middle, but beanstalk by itself doesn't actually salvage you anything unless the games are going to go long enough for you to leverage the card draw off of it. And so it exacerbated the draw the right half of your deck problem, where if you're going against Storm and you have up the beanstalks and white cards, then you're way more anemic and are just going to get buried, yeah. right? Whereas it, when I was moved over to black and I was playing Drown in the Lock, Drown in the Lock filled the gap that the up the beanstalk didn't, which was, okay, now it doubles both as removal and counter magic. But it doubled down on the fact that I'm going to be soft to Ancient Tomb because Drown in the Lock requires their, them to have stuff in the graveyard. And Ancient Tomb decks don't really put that much stuff in their graveyard. Nah. And even if they do, their curves are a lot higher, like stupidly higher. So if I'm on Drown in the Lock and Counterbalance in the main, I'm effectively conceding to anything Cavern of Souls. Yeah, if I have a bunch of bobbles in my, in my yard like, and I cast, you know, Thought Cast, you're like, I can't right. okay, counter it. And, there is something to be said that like eight cast is a little bit different because they do load themselves pretty heavily with emeries. Yeah. But any anything that's in the space of like if if you are a, a non emery ancient tomb deck, that's those are the matchups I really don't want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see cavern of souls like in. I definitely don't want to see initiative. I just yeah. can't beat that deck. I don't want to necessarily goblins because goblins because now that goblins is mostly uh, effectively just an ag aggressive show and tell. Uh, style variant that happens to have Cavern of Souls, I don't necessarily want to run into that because I'm at the mercy of whether or not they draw their Cavern of Souls. Yeah. But if it's also like really advantageous for them to be on the on the play. And so it's exacerbated in that way too. So it's like, in that regard, I'm like hoping to dodge those decks. But we talked about that in an episode before the tournament where it's like, you have to assume that you're going to dodge, right? Yeah. And I exactly. did, right? Yeah. I, 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 for the most part, did. And I mean, even though I was dead early, I did dodge those matchups that I didn't want to point, see. It's a point that I definitely want to make at the at the end of this, where we go over like how how good we did did a dodge ball. Yeah. <laughs> so in 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 this matchup against Storm, having access to counterbalance plus drawn on the lock plus force of will plus snapcaster, and then post board I have like flusters and stuff. Like I'm extremely well set up to fight on the axis of of uh, stopping you from just 
blitzing all of your stuff in a turn. Yeah. And the fact that you're not putting any pressure on my life total and you're not wastelanding my lands means that I'm going to get to develop as long as you don't kill me. And so having that much density meant that they never really got to string enough together because my walls were never down because the build that I brought didn't ever put the shields down in that regard. And so in the same way that I don't want to ever run into Ancient Tomb in this event, I was happy to run into Storm because they're, they're, they are not beating me on the axes that I can't fight on, right? They are fighting in exactly the axes that I want to fight on, which is on the stack. Yeah, I want to fight on the stack. I have a lot of free counter magic. I have counterbalance, which is really powerful against them to keep them from having Dale of Summer turns. So it's exactly the lane that I wanted to fight in. I did. And even though like the, the games were, there was some amount of back and forth where they tried to make moves to go off, I, I just had enough shields in the way that they couldn't actually break through. And counterbalance, again, was a highlight there. But it was really the difference between if those drown in the locks were up in the up the beanstalks, I'd probably lose this round. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my my next round of the side event was against uh, Claudio, who was on Mono Black Scam. We already saw uh, the result of that because uh, he was one of the people I interviewed. So what did you see, Phil? In round eight, I played against Team or Delver. Now, this was uh, uh, an example, again, where I ran into what the plot hole, the pit holes of my deck were. Uh, this was also an unfortunate event where I uh, cantrip, missed a land drop, cantripped again, missed a land drop. So it was very clear yeah. that that was the access that they then needed to pit all of their cantrips yeah. <laughs> on. So the fact that I was exposed to wasteland, but then also my cantrips missed, unfortunate, and that's what happened. Then I, I mean, I could just jump into round nine because Let's the story is exactly the same. Yeah, the 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 story is exactly the same. They're playing Death Shadow, but you know, otherwise they have all the same tools that Delver does in terms of mana denial. And it was the exact same story for a second straight round where I cantrip missed, cantrip again missed, yeah. and the game effectively ended because I couldn't hit my third land drop. And the problem with that is that the way that my deck is structured with Mystic Sanctuary is the critical turn for me that I want to set up to to where I feel invincible more or less is a counterbalance with a fetch available on four lands representing a Mystic Sanctuary. Yeah. Because that means that I have I can convert countering your spell from my fetch, untap, have all the resources plus mana in the world, and that's where I feel unbeatable. Yeah. But if I never actually get to that position, it becomes really challenging for me. And if a deck can compound the fact that I miss a land drop on my own because my deck shits out, then I, I feel like it's really, really impossible for me to come back up unless I can naturally hit a terminus and we play draw go for a little bit yeah. so rounds eight and nine were more or less similar stories it was teamer delver and then eight and then um death shadow but the the stories of them were the same cantrip cantrip miss on land drops and then the game was over yeah so uh let's let's take a quick look at our uh our pairings and uh see uh you know good or bad matchup so i had lands which i think was fine like because because Legolas was quick reflexes, I think Lance is like an okay matchup for me. So not, not neither good nor bad. Then I had uh, four color control, like four color beans, which I think I'm good against. Uh, Red painter, I'm bad against Blood Moon. I'm not great against combo decks that are ready to deal with combo decks. Uh, Team of Rhinos, I think I'm I'm favored there. Uh, so I'm two one and a, a maybe. Uh, Mono Red Prison, I'm bad against, so 2-2 two, two and a maybe. And Cradle Control, so 2-3 and a maybe. So I only had two good matchups, three bad matchups, and uh, two uh, uh, one maybe matchup. On my side, I had Grixis Delver, which I would consider a good matchup if my deck was built correctly, because Counterbalance and Triumph are very good. 
five color control is uh, a maybe, but I know how to navigate the matchup. So I would put the five color control decks or the four color control decks more so at a bit of parity. It also depends on if they are a deck that is splashing for Pyroblast, because if they don't have Pyroblast, then uh, Counterbalance hits a lot harder. So depending on what they're doing there, this was on five color. They were splashing red, but I never saw a Pyroblast that I remember. So in that regard, I would consider it good, even if you are... Um, Beanstalking, so I put I mean, that. You in the can middle. look at the deck and see if it has a pyroblast in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just mean that, like, <laughs> it, like even if he did have pyroblast, it never yeah. showed up in a ma- in the match Fair. where it was. So it was meaningful. Too, too favorable. I, I'm looking at the deck list now, and they did not have okay. pyroblast. So definitely anywhere favorable. in their sideboard. You so so I would consider that one. It, it, it's up in the air, but like sure. I think that was. We'll, we'll put it. We'll I, put I, it like in the in, in the middle, but towards towards uh, favorable. That one's in the maybe, but I think there's a lot of uh, play to that kind of matchup yeah. because counterbalance al- allows you to keep up with Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, round three is Mono Black Helm. I would consider this a bad matchup. There are an Ancient Tomb, Urza Saga, Chalice, Dothy, Voidwalker deck, uh, and a lot of that is going to be contingent on play draw yeah. because whether or not you get to um, get an early Urza Saga or uh, if they were like on Grief, Dark Ritual, Him to Turox, like all of that, like. A lot of that's really going to be dependent on play draw, so I would consider it a bad matchup. Okay. Uh, round four is Sultai Control. I would consider this a good matchup if I know that you're not on Pyroblast and you're not on white cards to get rid of my counterbalance. I think we're going to be able to leverage. I'll, I'll play that. Cephalid Breakfast. I consider it not a good matchup, but but uh, counterbalance is very good against them if they don't uh, stick a Teferi on the table. So I would put that one in so the you... middle. I think there's I, I think there's more play to that matchup if okay. Teferi isn't involved. Okay, so we'll have, so I'd put we'll that have one it as, as, as one in the middle, okay. Grixis Delver, I think that's a good matchup for me. Storm, I think that's a good matchup for me. Teamer Delver, again, I think that's a good matchup for me. I would rather see fingers. Grixis than Delver. <laughs> I would rather see Grixis than Delver because uh, Teamer has uh, Seek the Beast, which is a card advantage engine, whereas Grixis has Orcus Bowmasters, which is just another creature. And the difference between being able to convert my Termini for multiple threats, as opposed to you being able to recoup a bunch of cards after you get swept. So I think Teamer is more difficult than Grixis, but I still consider it a good matchup because uh, Counterbalance is just such a haymaker. So Phil, and then in round what? 10. Oh, round 10? Or round 9. Round 9, sorry. <laughs> round 9, I played against Death Shadow. I also think that's a good matchup. So for the most part, I think I had... Phil, a, what's a your excuse? Of... You had six good matchups. Seven good I, matchups? My, uh, I, I don't have an excuse. I, I my my deck was my deck was misbuilt, and I recognized that pretty early on uh, because I audible uh, all, all of my testing was yeah, mostly with you Beanstalk. Caught me by surprise I, when I saw you in round nine playing with black cards. Yeah, and then I, I audibled without enough reps. I used the the um, challenges bef- the day the day two days before on Thursday and Friday to try and get in as many reps as I could to figure out the correct numbers. I don't think I figured out those correct numbers because my own choices of cards and the 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 mana base that I had. Um, submitted led to at least two and a half losses looking at it. Yeah. And if we were, to, if, if we look at that matchup that I didn't concede, I'm, I was technically four, four and one, uh, but two, I would say at least two and a half matches were my own fault on my own build, yeah. not anything that was done in game. And so if we look at it in that regard, if I'm, if I go from four, four and one to six, two and one, that's a very different outcome that yeah. could have been avoided had I just put in more time on the choices that I made. So yeah, no, there is no excuse. Full responsibility on my end. I could have, I could have had a better tournament yeah. considering that. I mean, granted, like if you're winning, you don't necessarily have these matchups. Like you know, the trajectory changes with every yeah, win of course, or loss. Of course, but 
if assuming that I ran into this, regardless of what my outcomes were in each matchup, this is a very nice tournament for, for me to run into. I never ran into Blood Moon. I never ran into Cavern of Souls. Like, I would I would have exactly taken those matchups field. in a second. Ex- yeah, exactly <laughs> the kind of field that I want to run into. So for the most part, like it's one hundred percent on me, and that's okay. I believe I, I I don't believe necessarily, but I don't think I made any major errors uh, in play. I didn't see anything that, like I you know I walked away from the table going idiot dummy. Uh, mostly I just didn't like, I, I opened, I had openers that were not great and had to mold down to a subpar amount of cards and, you know, losing to blood moon, you know, like that's, and and that's what Fender's cloud said that like the deck does fold the blood moon right now. So I think for me, uh, the biggest thing for me is to get more used to the deck. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I probably made some mistakes here and there, but nothing that I walked away from the table going like, Oh, you dummy. Like, why did you do that? So I think. Uh, for this, I kind of want to give myself a, a, like a bit of a resolution. I want to do good. I want to have, I want to have one. I want to play all the rounds, uh, next eternal weekend, but I want to do well. I want to, uh, look at next eternal weekend as, as sort of a proving ground for myself. And, 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 you know, I'm going to be looking at other tournaments and playing a lot more actively. I re-upped my moto account so we'll we'll be dropping some videos of me playing moto poorly uh, mm-hmm. soon but uh i i think i'm kind of making a resolution for myself that i want to i want to uh start really taking this seriously and and uh come up with a good result yeah now that you're also in a position where you have a bit more stability back in your life yeah right? I have like, a job be a lot stuff. To... like look at me it's it, it'll, it'll be a lot like easier this. for you <laughs> yeah, it'll be a lot easier for you to do that sort of thing. Whereas like before when you were trying to both simultaneously prep for Eternal Weekend and also uh, get your stability back after an unfortunate layoff. And building like, the channel, okay. you know, the channel's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Built. It's like, the channel's built now. So we can... There's a, the, yeah, there's a bunch of things that you had going on yeah. that take precedent over uh, one tournament. Yeah. And so, you know, next year should be a more stable year and you can, you know, commit to figuring out uh, the proper build and getting in the proper reps and being more prepared and having your sideboard mapping cleaner and getting in the, you know, the, those higher stakes uh, reps under you. Yeah. Well, uh, Phil, do you have anything else you want to add in? Uh, I think the takeaway from uh, this event for me was I uh, remember when we had the topic of trusting the homework Yeah, and I trusted the homework, but then audible. I, I I trusted the homework, knowing that I should audible. Yeah. But then I didn't allow myself enough time to test that audible. Yeah. To then trust my homework again, you know. So that and that's something you scrapped that, your like, science fair project and started a new science fair project uh, with not enough time. But the thing is, is <laughs> I, I there there is something to be said that I I think the the trusting the homework part that we talked about I executed well. Yeah, but the part that we didn't talk about is in the event that you have to your your homework is saying that you need to pivot. What do you then do po- when you need when you pivot? And that's where I think it's like okay, going into a next event, if I I need to get that sense of is this working or is this not working sooner, and commit. Yeah, and committing to the build and then figuring out what that actually looks like a little bit further out. That way, I don't run into this position where. If I could go back again, I registered two Orcish Bowmasters in, in my deck. During the challenges, I was playtesting three Orcish Bowmasters. And I recognized that this felt anemic in my deck yeah. because I'm not pressuring the life total in the same way that Delver decks are. 
Yeah, and even I think though you would have been better off with like a hull breacher or something. I think I would have just been better off further supporting the shell that my deck wanted to fight on, which was counterbalance. Yeah. And if I could have gone back, what I would have swapped is the Orcish Bowmasters for just more portents. Yeah. I would have just shifted back to more of what that shell was. And had I had so, and I noticed that like my my the time that I had given myself in those two days of challenges before the main event, I was on that trajectory. Yeah. I started at three Orcus Bowmasters. I went down to two Orcus Bowmasters. And then while I was playing the main event, I recognized I don't want these Bowmasters in my deck at all. And had I had just a little bit more time, literally probably another day's worth of testing and challenges or, uh, uh, you know, uh, testing regardless, I probably would have gotten to that conclusion because it didn't take me long in the main event yeah. to recognize yeah, it. Yeah. It took me literally two rounds. Yeah, yeah. And you were right? like, okay. And and I rec- and now I'm like, okay, I'm, well, now I'm stuck with this. But had I had gotten those two rounds lit just right before, I might have made that switch. And then that might have made the difference between going four and five to going, you know, six and three, which is a wholly different outcome. That's potentially a top that, that gets me into cash, right? Yeah. Like it's really those subtle nuances. And I think that that's, that was really the the thing that I learned, which was, I trusted the homework, but then I wasn't prepared to deal with the pivot after trusting that homework and going into the next thing. I need to do like, if you pivot, you need to pivot faster and commit yeah. to what you're going to do. So give yourself a deadline before a tournament where you're not going to audible on, on, you may like change like a couple of slide board slots as you're figuring it out, but, you're not gonna but I overhauled a lot. I went, from, I went, <laughs> I went from green to black and that changed yeah. both. It didn't necessarily it change how the play deck patterns piloted. The deck completely. I wouldn't say it changed it completely, but it did change my matchup suite completely. Yeah. Right. Like the matchups that I'm really good against versus the matchups that I'm really bad against. There's some stuff that I'm obviously really bad against just because of the axis that they fight on a la initiative cavern of souls. But then the matchups that I'm really good against uh, that also changes where I'm like, now I feel like I'm better set up against Delver. I feel like I'm better set up against storm, but I'm going to be a lot softer to anything related to ancient tomb because I can't necessarily keep up on cards in the same way that, you know, if the Urza saga and all this other stuff. So the, the, that's the lesson that I took away from this, which was still good, right? Like yeah. we, we, we had an eye going into the tournament. And I think the stuff that we found and talked about, I do think was correct. And I think, afterwards i just realized that there was an additional step that i that we didn't talk about yeah. which was discovered right and, yeah. and that's why we that's why we play and that's why we learn so uh ultimately though i would give myself c plus b minus on the the prep and execution uh there was i i think our prep was slightly flawed but on course and i think my actual execution was uh fairly medium because of my uh my lack of time on the switches that I made. Yeah. I have, uh, I have two more points that I want to make. Uh, one's a fast one. This is a great time for you to support us via Patreon. You can check out the link below at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. And then my final point, my final point is Phil, do you remember when I talked about the difference between, uh, Asia, Europe and, uh, and, uh, North America and, and what, and what my feelings and thoughts were about those, those three places, as far as deck construction was concerned. Why don't you recap? Yeah, so I said that I think more uh, non-permanent based like Storm Combo exists in Asia. Uh, Lands is is more prevalent in EU and Tempo is more prevalent in North America. And that's what, that is exactly what happened. So if we look at Asia, uh, let's see, uh, Spell Combo uh, is 8.3% versus uh, 9.3, oh, sorry, I'm talking about combo combo total. 
So we're looking at about 20% in Asia. We're looking at about uh, 20% in in the uh, EU. And then in uh, North America, we're about 20%. But there's a little bit more storm combo in, in Asia. Now, if we go over to uh, uh, Tempo, we got 20% in uh, Europe. We've got my dog barking in the background. Uh, we've got... Uh, North America has 24% and Asia has uh, 22%. Relax, dude. Uh, so just a little bit more uh, for, for the tempo for tempo decks in, in North America, but I was, I was not incorrect. Yeah. I also, I, I had some conversations too with people after, uh, after the uh, tournament was effectively over for me. Um, where I was talking about how I moved over into black and that situated me a little bit better against combo. And they were talking, they were saying that they, the, and th these were with people who had traveled to EU. They didn't go to Asia, but they were, they, they traveled to Prague to compete in that yeah. uh, eternal weekend. And they were like, no, like when you play in North America, you're going to run into much more of the Beanstalk decks and the Delver decks. Like they were like, that that was their expectation, and they said that that's more or less what lined up for them. Yeah, and that seemed to be pretty consistent with most of the people that I talked about that had played in both. Uh, so that's if if that's the case going forward, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, because uh, we're going to be playing in the North America ones, right? We will be playing in North America mostly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that does it for us. Uh, like I said, tune in. Uh, we're going to have a couple more interviews. Uh, we're going to milk this Eternal Weekend thing for as long as we can. So uh, thanks for watching, everybody, and uh, have a great day, and I hope you did well at Eternal Weekend. Here is a, a list, a playlist of our interviews. You can check those out. They're excellent, and uh, you're going to learn a lot, and you're going to meet a lot of the great people that help this community grow. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great one. Bye.